Welcome to the Code 3 Counseling Podcast. Code 3 Counseling exists to provide mental health and personal support for first responders and their families. Each episode, we will share with you information, strategies, and resources that can help you thrive in the first responder life. The Code 3 Counseling Podcast is hosted by our co-founders, Sean Cavan and Alicia Swade. The cool thing is we are a first responder family. Sean is a retired police officer, and Alicia, Sean's daughter, is a mental health professional also married to a cop. We hope this podcast feels like you are sitting with us talking about how to enjoy living the first responder life. Now, while our goal is to provide you with helpful and accurate information, remember it is just information. This podcast is not meant to be a replacement for mental health or medical treatment. Always consult with a professional if you have concerns about your health and wellness. All right, now let's get into this week's podcast. All right, so today we're talking about confidentiality and counseling and some of the myths around counseling that are pretty common for first responders. Yeah, I think that having a lot of misinformation out there really keeps people away. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, during my career, there were times that I wouldn't go to counseling or I chose not to go to counseling because of some of those myths. Um, and I know from conversations with other, you know, partners and friends in law enforcement that that information's out there. I mean, it's, a lot of those myths are out there and it's just keeping people from seeking the help they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the people that I talk to and work with, when I start to explain things in the beginning of counseling, I hear like, oh, I wish I had known that sooner. Or for real, that's like, that's, you can't tell anybody, like you don't talk. And yeah. it's it's just, I get floored because I think it's common knowledge. But then I realize this is my field of expertise and it is common knowledge in my field. And so I have wrongly assumed that everybody knew that this was true. Um, And so that's why I wanted to do an episode talking about this. Now, one of the clarifications that I want to make is everything that I am talking about is specifically related to the state of California. I don't know laws and stuff for the state of Georgia or Wisconsin or New York. Everything I'm talking about is specifically for California. Um, So if you're listening and... You don't live in California, check with a provider in your area or check with the licensing board in your state to find out if this is also applicable in your state. So yeah, so dad, why don't you tell me some of the myths that you have heard of for first responders and getting counseling help? Well, I think the biggest thing that um, I came across was that when you go to counseling, your counselor is going to tell your is is going to talk about what's going on with you. In some way, it's going to get out. Somehow, mm-hmm. somebody's going to find out. And you know, it's one of those things. And again, this is a, a different myth we'll talk about later about or a stigma that you know, you, if you go to counseling, you're weak. You you're not fit for duty. You know, that there's something going on that, you know, you should be pulled from the street or pulled from the the headset or, you know, be relieved of your duties. 
So I think that was probably one of the biggest things that uh, kept me personally away from counseling and kept you know, people I know away from counseling. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you're talking about like, I would talk about my clients with other people. Right. So like my spouse or the barista at Starbucks or yeah. just like sharing. Or at a like, dinner party. And, uh -huh. yeah. and people could dial it down and figure out who, who, they, who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So that is actually definitely not true. If I were to talk about my clients to anyone without my client's permission um, or without like a, a legal mandated reporting issue, um, I could lose my license. Like I wouldn't just get in trouble. Like I could actually lose my license. And that's because there's a federal law called HIPAA. I will never remember what the letters <laughs> stand for. It has something to do with healthcare. Um, but because of this federal law, we have to make sure that your information is confidential in every way, shape, or form. So, like, I don't talk about my clients when I go home and am decompressing with my husband after work. Like, I could say, you know, I had a tough day. I just had a client who's going through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's it. I can't say whether it's, like, a bad call. I can't say if it's childhood trauma. Like, I just say, yeah, they're just having a really tough time. And it was, was kind of kind of a, a tough day just because there was a lot of stuff. Um, and, and my husband knows, like I, he doesn't ask questions about like, Oh, well, what were they talking about? What's wrong? He knows that I can't talk about that stuff. Yeah. And I think HIPAA, you know, even, even working in law enforcement, you run into that roadblock of HIPAA once in a while mm -hmm. when you're trying to get medical records released for a case that you're working on or investigating. You know, you could walk into the emergency room and, and say, okay, what happened here to the to the nurse that's helping your your uh, victim? And they're like, whoa, I can't tell you that. You know, and then you're like, but I'm I'm a cop. I'm investigating this. <laughs> and they're like, no. You know, yeah. like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, so HIPAA is definitely a, a useful roadblock in that sense mm -hmm. that it protects the uh, individual. Yeah. And... Well, keeps it from just being misused and spread around in an yes. unprofessional way. Well, and that's one of the reasons that HIPAA is so strict is because it's meant to protect the person getting help. Um, and, you know, with medical stuff back in the early days when HIPAA was created, if people found out about your medical issues, you could lose your job and you could lose your health insurance. Like all this bad stuff could happen. And now it's also applicable to mental health because that is having to do with healthcare. Um, but one of the things that I really appreciate about just having HIPAA as a law is like, I can't even confirm or deny that I know who you are if somebody were to call me and ask. So like, if I'm seeing you, dad in a counseling session, like you're, I can't because right. that's unethical and illegal, <laughs> but <laughs> it, hypothetically speaking, you don't want to know um, what's going on in my head. <laughs> no, sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Um, but if I was seeing you and somebody were to call and say, hey, I need to talk to the counselor of Sean Cavan, I would have to respond with, I can neither confirm or deny that I know who that person is. Um, if you would like for me to talk to you about somebody, you need to get a release signed by that person. 
And I actually worked at an agency where we did that and somebody had a release signed and they sent it to us and we were like, actually, we have no record of that person ever coming in for services <laughs> because we have to have that in order to say you've never been in for services. Because if we say that, it's actually violating your confidentiality mm-hmm. because then it's saying you haven't gotten services. Um, it, it, like it's all this crazy stuff. But right. So I think... I think that kind of clears up a little bit of the free flowing of the information part. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one thing I was just thinking about was also you were talking about the security of some of the, I don't know what word you use, but it made me think of the security of the records. Mm-hmm. So you also don't just have a pile of papers on your desk nope. with names. Yeah. I mean, I have piles of papers, but like that is right. marketing, networking, right. but it's, <laughs> business it's, stuff. The, your patient stuff is under lock and key. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's in, and it's not something that you, you know, take home with you and mm-hmm. throw around on the couch and, mm-hmm. you know, have a big pile of stuff to go through. Yeah. You know, everything is got to be secured and mm-hmm. there are, uh, I don't know if it's laws or rules. Or There's a lot of laws. That you, it's laws. Right. Like if my, I have to, so if I have hard copies of files, I have to have three locks between the files and a stranger on the street. Like right. that's a lock. So I have the lock for the, the filing cabinet. I have the lock for my inner, inner door, which is a passcode lock. It's not a key lock. And then I have the lock for the outside for my office door. So like even people who are in the building but using a different suite, like I have to have three keys from them mm-hmm. to be able to get to my information. Now for me, I don't like having paper information just because I don't like giant filing cabinets and clutter. Um, I use an online uh, electronic health record, but even then counselors aren't supposed to have a lot of your specific information that you share in their documentation. Like for me, I don't write down what my clients say or what they talk about specifically. I say what I did so that if I ever had my files called in by a judge at court, all they can see is like, oh, she provided psychoeducation on the brain processing of emotions. Like that's it. It doesn't talk about what emotions you brought up. It doesn't talk about all that stuff because I try my hardest to make it as confidential as possible. Now, I put down what I did so that way if ever you tried to sue me saying I didn't do a good job, I have all this documentation right. showing that I did do a good job, so right. thank you very much. Have a good day. <laughs> um, but it's I, not specific information and identifiable right. that could get out. And I think that that's, that's an, you know, another big part of this whole you know, misinformation of that you're writing down everything or you're recording everything (laughs) and there's going to be recordings of our session that you know will come up somewhere some way Mm -hmm. and affect me so recording sessions is actually illegal and you can't do it without written permission and you have to have a really good excuse as to why so um if there's a counselor who's not licensed yet and is under supervision they might record the sessions of that counselor if the counselor isn't documenting well or there have been complaints about the counselor. Like there's a good reason why they're recording the sessions and it's for educational purposes. But like I can't just record a session without your permission and get it up. Yeah, no, that's a violation of HIPAA. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't it fun? Yeah. But see, and that's what's that's what's neat is sitting here talking with you about this is that we get to clear that up because mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you have a couch in your office, but it's not. I don't think I'd. I think I'd probably lay down on that, but it's not. You know, you're gonna come in and lay down on the couch, have the the counselor behind you where you can't see them, and you're gonna. You know, spill your guts Ooh. out of everything. Ooh, that makes me like, oh no. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, your like office that. is obviously a little more uh, conducive to conversation. And that's what I think this is all, you know, a lot of this is about is just mm-hmm. talking about it. But, you know, you don't have recording devices, you know, hidden in the clock or, Mm-mm. you know, so it's not something that is going to be, you know, used later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. So I think another myth that we talked about was um, that when I come in for counseling and I'm talking about past things, not a current thing, you know, I'm just kind of dealing with some junk that maybe is lingering or following me. And when we talk about it, I might bring up things of my emotions at that time that would get me in a situation where maybe you would 5150 me. Mm. And you know that would be something that yeah. you know is is confusing for you know people who don't know the experience of of counseling. Yeah. You know to come in and say, you know, you know 2 years ago I had this real bad time. I was really in a bad place and you know I thought about killing myself mm. and then all of a sudden, you know, does that trigger flags and stuff to go up for today Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point um because i do think that there is a a lot of misinformation about that with mental health and some of it is because (laughs) counselors have done things wrong um i used to work for an agency where we did put people on 5150s i was certified to put people on 5150s and to lift them um and so I had a lot of training and understanding of what it takes to put someone on a 5150. Some counselors don't uh, because they just haven't gotten that experience. And those are the people who do it wrong and end up creating the problems and misunderstandings that people outside of our profession start to think about like this. Um, now, for first responders, that's not true. I can't just put someone on a 5150 because two years ago you had thoughts of ending your life. Mm-hmm. Um, now it does send up a red flag for me as a competent counselor to check in and make sure like, all right, well, are you having them today? Have you had them in the past month or week or six months? Because if it's been recent, I want to figure out, well, why haven't you done anything about it? Why have you not acted on those thoughts? And I'm trying to figure that out because I want to know why you want to live. If I know why you want to live, I can keep that going and keep you alive. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, my goal is that everybody goes home alive and safe. You know, if we can heal your trauma from the past, great, that's awesome. But if we don't, you go home alive and safe at the end of the day. And we work on it tomorrow. Yes, and we'll work on it later. Um, But if you don't meet criteria for an active 5150 right now... I cannot call anyone and say, hey, this, you know, cop has a gun and he had thoughts two years ago of killing himself. So I need somebody to come and assess him for a 5150. No, I don't get to do that. 
Now, I will want to talk to you about like, okay, well, if those thoughts come back, how can we keep you alive? Right. What would it take? And Let's that'd be why I'm sitting in your office. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I think that at that point when I'm in your office, I want to stay alive. I want to uh -huh. stay healthy. I want good, healthy relationships in my life. Yeah. And that's why I'm sitting here, you know, trying to talk. So I, I can understand that part of it. But I think in the myth part of that is that, you know, I'm going to be anything I talk about that happens in the past is going to be just slam dunked and cause a big problem right here in the future mm -hmm. or right here in the yeah. here and now. No. Well, and it shouldn't. We shouldn't be held like I, I'm picturing like just these heavy chains just like dragging you underwater. You know, you're, you're almost to the surface and you're trying to get help. And then here's a counselor who says, well, I'm sorry, I have to report you because you had thoughts of suicide two years ago. And those are the chains that are holding you back. And then now, boom, like you're drowned. You're right. done. Yeah. This is over. Um, and we don't want that. And that's one of the things that I get frustrated about with people in my profession is um, that our goal is not to put you on a 5150. Our goal is to not do that at all costs. Now, if I really think that you're going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, and genuinely you're going to do that within the next, like, between now and the next time I see you, I, we're going to have conversations about, like, okay, what are we going to do? Who are you going to call um, to keep yourself safe? Like, check in. I've had some clients, I'll text check in every day. Like, hey, how are you doing today? And then they'll be like, I'm good. Thanks for checking in. Or if they're like, I'm having a tough day today. Can we have a call? And then I do like a quick little 20 minute call to just just check in. But if I don't do everything within my power to prevent doing a 5150, I can actually lose my license because it's a violation of confidentiality. And we're right back to myth number one. <laughs> yes. It's like, ah, oh, seriously, people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that, that you're bringing that back around to myth number one, the, the fact that this is so confidential yes and that you know it's it's a place that you're trying to be trying to help you're trying mm -hmm. to be uh, get get back into a healthy frame of mind and you know I'm, a lot of people go to counselors just to keep that healthy mind going yeah you know they're not having such a bad day today but you know yeah, I got time. You know, let's go have a, you got time, I got time, we'll have a session. But I think that understanding that the confidentiality is there and that there's not going to be a lot of the adverse uh, results that we think is going are going mm -hmm. to happen um, really makes it a little more understanding that, uh, you know, getting the help you need or just the help you want you know, to, to live a bit, your, your, your best life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think this is one that this myth is one that really resonates with, um, you know, because I wasn't a fireman. I, I'm, I'm only assuming that it, you know, runs through their house too, but within the police side of it, um, you know, the myth of if I go to counseling, my supervisor's gonna know. 
mm. or you know it's going to spread through the department my partner's mm. going to know um then do they trust me yeah you know, do they, how do they look at me differently um so you know who finds out about me being in counseling so that is a great question um because i definitely see it's uh, it's not clear for people who aren't in the field now unless you are a threat to yourself or others i can't tell anybody that you're in counseling without your written permission now um if you know if you had somebody that you wanted me to talk with like let's say you're in sessions and we're dealing with you know trauma from bad calls that you've had and like how to handle those calls if you wanted me to talk with your spouse about what's going on and helping her understand what you're dealing with i can't do that without you writing uh, signing a form saying that i can talk to her and saying what i can talk to her about whether it's just psychoeducation or talking about like um, relationship issues or past trauma. Like if you say don't talk about past trauma, I can't talk about specifics. I can say like, hey, I just wanted to share with you some stuff about what's going on in the brain. Um, right. So, you know, um, you, you lump that into spouse as well as supervisors. Yeah. You know, which is that can be a barrier for someone seeking help. They don't want their spouse to know, you know, they, that, you know, something's going on that they can't deal with or they can't process or, mm -hmm. you know, they don't want to appear, uh, you know, less of a uh, person, you know, mm -hmm. I'm trying well, to, the stigma. weakness, right. It's, it's all, all that's exactly. It. And if you, if people know that you're in counseling, immediately all that stigma comes up and like oh well you can't handle this job you can't do this you can't do that uh how do i know you have my back when right. things get tough and and rough on a call um and that gets perpetuated and that's one of the reasons why confidentiality is so important for our profession is we want you to get help so that you can be better without worrying that i'm gonna let your supervisor know or even tell the barista at Starbucks who ends up being your supervisor's daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really important that we value your confidentiality so that people get the help that they need. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you know, when you're when your concern is um work related. Mhm. Mm you know, you're thinking of your livelihood, you're thinking of of you know paying the bills you're thinking yeah. of you know being able to you know provide and if that is going to be affected by me going to counseling i'm not going to counseling mm -hmm. you know why would i why would i put that at risk mm -hmm. and to be able to clear up some of this so that people understand that the risk isn't there unless you're the one telling people yeah you know um i <laughs> I have no problem talking about my own personal experience with, with counseling. When I was having a rough time, I went through my EAP and, you know, they had the posters on the bulletin board at work. Mm -hmm. You just go check in, you call the number, whatever. And my wife didn't know. 
none of my partners knew because I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I went and did it on my own. Yeah. I had, I want to say it was like 10 sessions and, and dealt with what I was going through. Yeah. And in fact, you know, it was probably after about session three or four that I realized, you know, okay, I'm fine. You know, I'm not unusual it's not uh-huh. some you know i'm not you know <laughs> i'm not the first guy to ever yeah. have that problem so once i once i started dealing with it and and had a great counselor it was you know it was easy for me to to do that and then realize that yeah nobody found out yeah well and that's one of the reasons i like eap working with eaps is because the responders don't go through their department to get the eap counseling don't talk to your HR to get the, the EAP. Like you call the EAP directly. Yeah. You call the company directly and then they connect you with, usually they go by like where you live and they give you like the closest counselor to where you live. Right. Um, I actually but, had a, a request. I wanted a Christian-based counselor male. Yeah. I didn't want to talk and to a female. you can do that. Mm-hmm. And that, that helped me you know, connect a little better with, with the individual that I met with. Yeah. Well, and, um, right now with EAPs, one of the things that a lot of them are doing is they're having a separate list for providers who work with first responders. So like I'm contracted with, um, two EAPs and I'm trying to get on a third right now and all of them, I'm on a list where only responders will call me. So I won't get calls from Joe Schmo at city hall who works behind a desk and is just irritated with his boss. Like, I don't want to work with that. Right. I want to help people <laughs> who are actually, like, dealing with hard stuff that I can help that not every counselor can work with. And so when you go through your EAP, checking to see if they have that separate first responder list so that you can get help where people understand and can work with you on what you're dealing with. Right. Yeah. We had another one. We kind of... It kind of goes with what we were just talking about, but mm-hmm. if I if I go to counseling, I'm going to be labeled and it's going to pack my job. So when I when I think of that, I think of you know if I go to counseling and uh, people know I'm in counseling or you know somebody heard through or whispers start going around the the department that I'm in counseling, and it's right around the time you know maybe I'm going for a promotion or a special assignment, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to get into SWAT or, you know, canine or something, you know, once rumors get spreaded through a department, is that going to affect me getting that special assignment or affect (laughs) me getting that promotion? Yeah. You know, um, so I guess the labeling part of it is kind of the myth I'm, I'm bringing up. Mm -hmm. Well, in the labeling part, a lot of it has to do with the stigma because we do have a big stigma around having, one, getting counseling help, like it means you're weak, but then two, like all the labels that can come with counseling. So PTSD, bipolar, ADHD, like all of that kind of stuff. Now, one of the things that I, I don't like diagnosing people, I don't like labeling people because I feel like the labels perpetuate the stigma and and make it just that much harder. Um, And so when I work with people, I don't give them a diagnosis. Now, there are times when you have to give people diagnoses, which is like when you use your insurance. A lot of people don't realize this, but insurance requires a diagnosis and they require a diagnosis that 
meets medical necessity is what they call it. Now, what that means is that it's severe enough to require counseling services. And so, like, you know, trouble at work isn't a diagnosis that um, the insurance will cover. And so they want, like, PTSD. They want um, bipolar, generalized anxiety disorder, depression, like, major depressive disorder. They want those kind of labels in order to pay for services. Now, if you don't use your insurance, you don't have to get diagnosed. Yeah, you pay out of pocket for the services, but you're not getting that label. And like EAP, I use EAP because they don't require a diagnosis. If I give a diagnosis, it's because the client has asked me to. um, And I talk with them about what I'm giving them because it goes on your permanent medical record when you are diagnosed. Right. Um, And I think think that's part of the EAP versus insurance. Um, You know... As, as somebody seeking counseling, you know, you kind of got to go through that if you're not able to come out of pocket and, mm-hmm. and, and pay your own way through. And just, I mean, just so everybody knows, she gives a discount when you do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, when you, when you have to go through EAP, there's another level of somebody maybe knowing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, no. You know, but to know that they don't require that diagnosis mm-hmm. is a big help. I don't yeah. have to have, you know, that PTSD label or, you know, the something like that that would prevent me from, say, owning a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're getting into all these new laws and situations yeah. in our careers that, you know, they're they're if they're trying to uh, prevent me from possessing a gun or owning a firearm. How do I do my job? How do I do what I've experienced my whole life or, you know, trained my whole life to be? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, because I'm dealing with, you know, some issues and finding the help to get me through that yeah. professionally, um, you know, will they take my guns? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, it's a valid um, concern because our society is just so intense with all this stuff these days. Mm -hmm. And so you just don't know. But one of the things with counseling is that because it's so confidential um, and you can make it more confidential by not using insurance because then your insurance doesn't have documentation that you went to counseling. Um, And like using EAP, your EAP does, but they don't send it to your supervisors. Um, They don't send it to your department to know who got counseling and who didn't because that would be a violation of HIPAA. and so it's, it's just about being aware of what's going on. And if you have like specific questions or concerns about it, definitely reach out to providers to get those answers clarified. Um, and yeah, you know, don't, don't just assume yeah. and stay behind that door. Yeah, and you, you can know? always reach out to us. I mean, I yeah. love answering emails like that because it's like, hey, I, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands what's happening. And right. like when I do consultations, I, I talk with people before I start seeing them for counseling so that they are aware of all of the options and they can make a, an educated decision knowing the different options that they have and right. choosing what's best for them. Yeah. And, you know, when you know, I brought up the, the term labeled, you know, and you assume that because we're in law enforcement, we're, we all struggle from some level of PTSD. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, may be true, but it may be how we handle it and how we function through it mm-hmm. that's the difference. Well, and, and there, we'll get into this in a later episode, but there's a difference between PTSD, which is a disorder, and having like an injury to your brain because of trauma. Right. There or just having difference. rough emotional feelings that mm-hmm. you just don't know how to process. Mm-hmm. You know, and... They, it may not even be from a, a traumatic situation. It just yeah. might be, you're not any good at relationships. You know, <laughs> this career field, you know, you see a lot of yeah. relationships that struggle, and you you automatically assume it's um, because of the job. Yeah. Well, maybe that person's just not the best person to be with. You know, so or is very difficult to be with. Yeah. You know, it could so. Be. Yeah, it's you, not a good you, know, you just got to find, you know, the outside of the labels, you mm-hmm. know, just the uh, understanding what's going on and having the information from a professional counselor or, uh, you know, to to clear up what you may be confused about yeah. as far as what is PTSD, what is, um, you know, having a bad day, what's mm-hmm. the difference. And the, and the counseling and how to process it. Yeah. So, Dad, what's the big takeaway today? The big takeaway. Confidentiality. It's, it's way... There are more levels of confidentiality than I knew or expected in counseling. Mm-hmm. I, I just... I never understood that early on. And didn't seek out counseling and it was just a lot of it was because of these myths you know that you know you're worried about people finding out worried about this that or the other and I think that in the last few years um, it's probably I've been retired three years now going on four so probably the last five to seven years we're seeing a big shift in first responder mental, uh, mental health uh, stigmas and yeah. dealing with it because there are just, you know, there's too many suicides. There's too many, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't want to say bad cops, but bad days that cops are having. That end because, up on YouTube. Yeah, that end <laughs> up on YouTube because, you know, they, they get mad at a skateboarder you know, uh, and they scream and yell over the top. And it's not that one situation. It's not that guy's just a jerk. It's maybe he's not dealing with all the stuff that's been building through his career mm-hmm. or her career. I keep saying his, sorry. but That's because you're a guy. Yeah, you worked with yeah. a lot of guys. I worked with a lot of guys, <laughs> but I worked with some great female officers too. Yes, so. you did. Um, but um, I think confidentiality, biggest thing. You know, when yeah. you understand that it's there to protect you, to help you get through what you're going through. Yeah. Counseling is confidential. Yeah. It's nice. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Tag us with your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram at Code3Counseling and on Facebook at Code3CounselingINC. Also, let us know if there are any particular topics you would like to learn more about or people you would like to hear from. Don't forget to hashtag Code3Counseling. If you want to help fight the stigma around mental health struggles for first responders, 
Help us out by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast with other responders and their families. If you need a professional, reach out to us and we will help you find one. Connect with us through our website, code3counseling.com, or find us on social media. And always remember, it may be your battle, but you don't have to fight it alone.